This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, episode 56. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers Podcast, and today I'm excited to welcome Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income to the Baller Circle. Pat is a father, husband, entrepreneur who works from his home office in San Diego. He is the owner of several successful online businesses. He is a professional blogger, keynote speaker, Wall Street Journal bestselling author. His most top-rated business podcast, the Smart Passive Income Podcast, has earned over 30 million downloads. He has earned multiple awards. He's been featured in publications such as the New York Times and in Forbes. And he's an advisor for companies such as Lead Pages and other digital marketing uh, companies. Now, Pat, personally, this is an honor to have you on the show because my first introductions to the world of online business were two things. Uh, one was a 99 cent ebook that I found on Amazon written by uh, Colin Wright called Starter Freedom Business. And the other one mm-hmm. was discovering the Smart Passive Income podcast and blog. And That's awesome. <laughs> bef- you know, the thing about that, and, and this is so important because um, the impact that you've had on so many people and me personally, that what I can say is that I didn't even know any of this was possible. Like I had no idea people were making money from blogs or podcasts or, you know, anything like that. I, I thought it was just kind of some people do it as, it did as a hobby. So I have to thank you for even like opening my eyes to the possibilities and also having guests on your show. Um, that kind of let me know that there's not just one way of doing this. There's there's infinite ways of of making money online. So so personally, yeah. I want to thank you for that. Well, absolutely, and, and and thank you so much for saying that and giving me credit for the start of, of what you've been doing here. But I I also got the start in a very similar way. I had listened to a podcast called Internet Business Mastery back in the day with Jason and Jeremy, uh, who hosted that show, and they're the ones who introduced me in a similar way with bringing on people who showed me that this thing was even possible. Because like you, I knew I didn't know anything. I didn't even think this was a thing that one could do, and it literally saved my life because. When I had gotten laid off in 2008 from the architecture world, which is what I studied and what I went to work for after school, uh, this was this was the, the the only thing I could do at the time, and it worked out really well. So I'm very blessed that I had gotten laid off. Um, but you know, it was somebody else who inspired me, and and now I'm inspiring people like yourself, and now you're inspiring people who are listening to the show, and hopefully everybody can continue uh, to pay it forward too and make the world a better place. Definitely, definitely. So I I wanted to start out there with with where where you were digging to before about your story where. You know, a lot of people yeah. know that, you know, you, you were an architect and you were studying for the lead uh, certification exam. And, and in that process, you started a blog in which you started to track your, your study materials. Uh, and that kind of turned into your first kind of online business. Um, but before you started that, uh, before you got laid off, were you thinking at the time when you were writing the blog, hey, maybe I can make something out of this? Maybe I can get some traffic. Maybe I can side hustle my way into some income? No, you know, I had that blog and that was essentially just built so that myself and a couple of coworkers could uh, study mm-hmm. together basically. And I traveled a lot and it was a great way for me to just go on a website and check my notes and stuff and help a few other people out. But I had never even thought that it was possible that it could get out there in the world and, and be sharing, uh, shared with others and, and viewed by others. Uh, and the whole thing is as I was posting, it, as I was publishing it, I'm so glad that I did it that way. I did it that way just because it was convenient. I didn't do it because of Google or anything like that. I didn't know anything about keyword research or search engine optimization or anything like that. But because I was one of the only ones talking about it so openly and sharing everything I could about it, uh, Google found it and thought it was great and very relevant to certain keywords related to that industry. So even though 
um, you know, it was interesting because I remember I turned on analytics once I discovered this podcast and I learned about online business and traffic and what that meant. Uh, I installed Google Analytics on the website. The website had been up for a while already, but I put it on there. And then the next day I saw thousands of people visiting the site and I was like, what? This is this. I must have done something wrong. Like maybe I connected it to somebody else's website on accident or something because I just couldn't believe it. But I don't even know for how long people were visiting my site using the, the information to help them pass the exam. And then from there, uh, after kind of getting over that surprise, I opened up the comment section. And that's when it really hit me because people started to ask questions and I, that I knew the answers to. And I started to start to put myself out there more on the site and become sort of Pat, the person who's helping instead of just the person who's the author of the site. And um, then I became viewed in, as an expert, which was, which was pretty amazing. And then I started to get really involved in forums related to the industry and just going in there and dropping as much knowledge as I could and sharing. And then people were like, hey, man, you know a lot about this stuff. Where could I find more information? And I was like, oh, by the way, I have this website. And that's kind of how it kind of grew organically. And then, I'll, uh, and then I also saw the United States Green Building Council, which is the company that administered the exam, they have different chapters uh, depending on what uh, different cities and different states. I started to see the chapter websites for different states actually link to my website hmm. for telling their people where they can get the best help. So wow. it was kind of cool because it kind of grew organically from there. But it wasn't until I just started hearing that message over and over and over again from people saying, Pat, dude, like you need to put this out there in like a book or something. You could write a book. And I'm like, nah, man, I can't do that. Like I'm not qualified. Like I don't even know where to start. And it wasn't until I got into a mastermind group with Jeremy who came into San Diego for a while from Internet Business Mastery. And I remember going into this meeting not knowing what to expect. Uh, and I go in there and I, I listen to everybody around the circle talk about their amazing businesses and how much money they're making and, and tips and tricks. And I'm like, man, I don't I don't even belong here. What am I doing here? And then it was my turn. And I was like, oh, I got this little, you know, exam website for an exam you've probably never heard of. And they were like, oh, well, you know, how much traffic are you getting? And I, and I was like, oh, you know, a couple thousand visitors. And they're like, oh, a couple thousand a month. That's pretty good. And I was like, no, like a couple thousand a day. And they were like, what? And so they the whole rest of the conversation was like they were all fired up about helping me because I think they saw in me who they were not that long ago. And so they were all really helpful. And that, that showed me, A, the power of mastermind groups, for one, and B, getting help from others, and C, the fact that there are many other people out there in this world who want to help people who are just starting out. Because I think, like I said, they see a reflection of, of their younger self in there. And then I was told at that meeting that I should write an ebook. And my first thought was, what's an ebook? I have no idea what that means. And then they started to share share everything and, you know, tell me all the tools that I should use. And um, in about a month and a half, I crafted that ebook and sold it. And in that first month in October of 2008, I had sold hundreds of copies at $19.99. And I had made almost $8,000, which was two and a half times more than I was making per month uh, as an architect. So it was just truly um, an amazing journey. And I, and I count my blessings every single day. And every day I'm I'm meeting more amazing people who are helping me in many different ways and always testing new things and trying new things and failing along the way. And it's, and, and it's, it's awesome. I love it. I love <laughs> making mistakes because it shows me what not to do the next time around. And, uh, now I'm trying to help other people to do the same, do the same thing by sharing my mistakes and, and to, kind of just leading by example, I guess. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. So, yeah, yeah. so, so with that story, um, you, you get laid off and you, 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 you realize, Hey, I can make money. Uh, from the site, I have all this traffic. Were you at the same time uh, still looking for a job or did you just say, hey, I'm, I'm going all in for this. I don't even need to apply for jobs anymore. No, I actually did apply for a job. The, 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 the day that I got laid off, I called about 20 different architecture firms and engineering uh, 
firms that we had worked with before just begging and pleading for a job. And there was no jobs. There were no job openings at the time because everybody was just getting laid off in that industry. Uh, this was back in the recession. Mm-hmm. And then a few months pass and I'm, I'm discovering this internet marketing world. And then all of a sudden, you know, things start to get a little bit better in the industry. And I actually did apply for a job. I moved back to San Diego uh, with my, my parents, uh, my fiance, also moved back to San Diego with her parents, and I has had been looking around and shipping my resume around, and I found a, f- a firm that um, somebody who I had previously worked with knew, and I went out and I went for an interview, and it was it, it was I was truly hoping that I would get it because again I was just so scared of this. Even though the internet stuff was going, um, I was still in the process of you know writing that book, doubting myself every single day, not really knowing what was going to happen. I needed to feel like something secure was there. Hmm. Um, and thankfully they didn't hire me for whatever reason. <laughs> um, you know, I had to do the whole AutoCAD test and I get to m- meet the team, the, the execs and everything. And for whatever reason, I didn't get a call back, but I'm so thankful because I, I guarantee you that if I did get a call back at that time before I launched my ebook, I would have said yes to the job and probably put that ebook aside because I didn't think it would work. Hmm. And it, it wasn't un- until I didn't get that job and I finally put that book out there and I got my first sale that things really started to change for me mentally. Like, holy crap, this is actually possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I was getting sprinkles of possibilities of success uh, along the way. The first thing I did on my website once I learned about it, it was this tool called AdSense, which is a Google tool you can put on your website to automatically generate advertisements. And if people click on those ads, you get you know a few cents here and there. I remember putting that on and then on day one, because I had a lot of traffic already, I remember day one, I just put it on the front page and didn't know what I was doing. Uh, it was like the default looking settings with the colors that didn't even match my website. Um, and I had uh, like four people click on it for a dollar and 18 cents. And I was like, it was the best feeling in the world. <laughs> and even the, even though I could find that money, like, uh, you know, in, bet- in between my seat cushions in the, in the car or whatever, like, man, it just really, I was like, wow, I actually made money from something I did online. So what else can I do? And I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And those AdSense dollars did add up. And, you know, I, you know, I, for the first month, I think I made like 40 bucks. I was like, dude, 40 bucks. That's like gas. Like I got free gas for the month. Uh, but then once that ebook launched, like that was the big one, the product. And then from there I created an audio book to go along with it which was an interesting story because I actually tried to record it myself <laughs> and I, I did record it myself. I spent three days straight recording it and uh, it was just the worst audio I've I'd, I'd ever heard. Wow. I recorded it using a Logitech gaming headset mic because that's the only microphone I had at the time that I had in my parents' house back from when I used to play Quake 2 and <laughs> Diablo 2 and all that stuff. Uh, nice. So I recorded it and it was just terrible and then I went back to that, that mastermind group and I was like, guys, like, you would, you would, because they, they were the ones that took tell me to do an audiobook and I was like guys I, I don't think I could do the audiobook because I tried recording it and it's just bad like I don't have the voice for it and they started laughing at me they're like ha, ha, ha you think you could do that yourself of course you want to <laughs> you want to give somebody else who's a voice talent to do that for you and I was like where can you do that you can actually get other people to do work for you and they were like oh this guy's a rookie and then I uh back then the site was called Elance uh, now it's uh, called Upwork where you can go and hire people to do certain jobs for you and I I, I hired a voiceover person for fifteen hundred dollars which was like a ton of money for me back back then. That was like three months worth of rent. Uh, that the the equivalent that that was in my what was going through my head. And I was just like, I don't know. I don't know if I could do this because I can record myself. It was bad, but maybe if I try it again, I can I can get it done. But I I, I got a couple sample files from her and it was great. So Trisha, uh, she did it voiceovers by Trish, 
And um, she rocked it out. And in a couple of weeks, she had these amazing MP3 files that I, I then packaged into a zip file, which I then sold on top of my ebook. And I sold those both also together as a package. And I made up the cost of $1,500 in two days hmm. from selling that audiobook. And I was like, oh my gosh, this, this online business stuff is crazy cool. Like, oh my Lord. And the, the best part about it, and the reason why my main site now is called Smart Passive Income, was this whole idea of being able to not have to be there in real time to, to make the money that you're making in real time, meaning you don't have to trade your time for dollars. You still have to put a ton of time in. I mean, I put hours and hours and hours and days and weeks and months into, in, into the start of this. Uh, so it definitely wasn't an overnight su success. But even now today, six years later, eight years later, <laughs> we are still seeing income come in from that site from work that was done eight years ago. Mm -hmm. So it's, the, you know, it's living on because it's a business that is automated that can help people still without me actually having to be there to help them. The website and the tools are doing that for them. They're buying the books. It's getting automatically delivered to them already without me. I mean, I can literally wake up in the morning and it sounds very scammy when you say it, but I'm waking up in the morning and there's more money in my bank account. It's because people from around the world are buying these products uh, when it's daytime for them, which is nighttime for me. And so uh, the store online that I have and the multiple websites I have, you know, when you think about it, it's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, even on holidays. And, you know, it's just it's just an amazing, beautiful tool that we can use to help uh, increase the, the diversity we have in our income. So if you want to do a side business, cool. If you want to do it full time, great. Uh, whatever. I mean, there's so many options there. And the cool thing is that the barrier to entry is very low. The cost to actually start is is almost nothing. Uh, you can build an audience, you can build fans, you can get a lot of authority in a particular uh, expertise that you have online with very little to no cost, except the time cost that goes along with it. Uh, and it's just it's just amazing. So that's why I get all amped up when I talk about this stuff. And I, I tell these stories because I'm just like, there, there's so many opportunities out there. Uh, and, and it's just a matter of, of uh, taking action and, and being willing to make mistakes, being willing to fail knowing that it's not going to be perfect the first time around. I mean, I made a, I've made a ton of mistakes. And I, I feel like I was lucky with greenexamacademy.com because it was my first one and it did very well. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I also think it wasn't just luck. It was, you know, seeing that there was an opportunity there. And, and the, the lucky thing was like not getting hired <laughs> and to, take, to pull me away from that, to keep me focused on that. And actually, probably what, it, what also it did, the getting uh, laid off and also not getting another job in the architecture world, was it forced me to do things that I wouldn't normally do. I took bigger risks because I really had nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was at my parents' place and I figured, hey, if this doesn't work, well, at least I'm at my parents' place, you know, at least. And that wasn't so bad, but I would, I wanted to get out and I was, you know, ready to get married. But, um, you know, all those things together really, really pushed me into a spot where I never even thought I could do any of this stuff. And now people are coming to me for advice and they're getting inspiration from from my website and my podcast. Like it, like you said, 30 million downloads. Like I record <laughs> on this microphone in this office at my house in San Diego all by myself, yet 30 million people because of, again, the tools, the content production and the ways that we can actually get that message out there. It's it's all available to us now. It's so, so awesome. No, I love that. And and the thing about your story that you, you discussed that I really like is you talked about your struggles. You talk about how it wasn't it wasn't easy it wasn't overnight success and i think mm -hmm. that a big problem and that's that's kind of that's the reason why the tagline for internet ballers is the story of the struggle is the story of success because i love that. I, I personally believe that you know whenever i dig into someone's story no matter who it is no matter how successful they are 
um, often people look at the shiny parts, they look at the good, the glamorous parts, but they, they okay. kind of ignore those, those struggles, those hard parts. So let's talk a little bit about your story and what, what kind of in the beginning, what were the things that you struggled with? What, what kind of things did you, did you try to just didn't work? They just, they just failed and you had to, had to learn from, um, and, and how did that help you, uh, develop as a, um, as a business owner? Yeah, I mean, after the success of Green Exam Academy, I mean, that in and of itself has a whole plethora of failures and mistakes along the way from, you know, the first draft of my ebook to, you know, the voiceover thing like I talked about to, uh, you know, some of the issues I had with customer service just because I didn't know even how to handle that. Like, uh, I didn't I didn't know to give people a way to contact me. Like, how was I supposed to know? Um, months into the business, after it was doing very well, making five figures a month, I had gotten a, a sweet, sweet letter from the United States Green Building Council um, pretty much telling me to stop what I was doing or else they would sue me. And I was like, what? Okay, now, and then I freaked out. Like, that was the first thing that happened is I freaked out. I was like, all right, that was fun while it lasted. I'm done. Like, I'm not qualified to do this. I am way in over my head. I don't know what's going on. Uh, and then I hired a lawyer to help me out because I was just freaking out. And he said, well, you're not in big trouble uh, and you don't have to be in any trouble. You just have to change the domain of your website like now. Uh, and I was like, why? And it was because I was using the word lead, L-E-E-D, which was the name of the exam in my domain name, which, again, I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to do that. Probably common sense should tell me. But I, again, I was just building that website for myself. So I never really thought it would turn into a business or anything that people would notice. Um, so I just that was an oversight on my part. And uh, thankfully, I hired somebody who really helped me out and also getting advice from other people. They were like, Pat, when you change your domain name, do it with a 301 permanent redirect. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and so they're just like, okay, just hire somebody to do it for you. That way, all the work that you did to build all this authority in Google and all the links coming from other sites, it all redirects and gets pushed into your new site. So that way you don't lose that traffic. And I was like, okay, well, thank you for telling me because I would have had no idea otherwise. So I did that. And, and um, so we did a 301 redirect from in the lead.com to greenexamacademy.com. And after two weeks, we were like, okay, sweet. Like, we're good now. And then we got another letter from them saying, by the way, you can't do a redirect. You just have to completely kill that, uh, that domain name. And I really? was like, okay. <laughs> and thankfully they gave us like three days to do it. And, and we, we finished the redirecting after like literally right before the cutoff. And that was just enough time for Google to, to finally realize that, you know, I was switching domain names and everything got carried over. So thankfully that worked out. Uh, but that was just like a, a huge, crazy mess. Um, you know, another thing that happened, which was more on the on a personal level, you know, a lot of a lot of struggles came on the personal side of things as I was growing my business. A couple of things. One, uh, you know, after I had gotten married, uh, my wife and I, uh, we got pregnant, which we were like really happy about. Uh, it was in March of 2009. We discovered that we were going to have a baby and we're like, sweet, this is awesome. awesome. OK, how are we going to pay for this? And, <laughs> and, and we're like, OK, um, holy crap we don't have insurance right now because I'm not working in architecture anymore. My wife had uh, stopped working because she moved back to San Diego. We were both in Irvine at the time. So we're like, oh, crap. Okay, let's go get insurance like right now, like ASAP. And at the time uh, with like – at the time there was we nothing we could do because pregnancy was a pre-existing condition. Mm. So private insurance companies weren't giving us any sort of leverage at all. Uh, to to get insurance, so we were have to, having to pay out of pocket, um, wow. and that was a, a very crazy uh, eight months. My son was born a month early, which was even more crazy because here's the thing. Okay, so 
big mistake, right? Like we just were young and we didn't know what we were doing. I just started my business. Like that's just one of those things you don't really think about until you have to think about it. And unfortunately in our circumstances, there was nothing we could do. So we knew we were going to have to pay out of pocket. Luckily the business was doing fairly well. So I could pay for the, for the, um, visits and all the stuff that, that my wife needed to, to stay safe and, you know, get all the checkups and whatnot. But then I got some advice from uh, a person who was like, dude, Pat, like here, here's what you need to do. Hire your wife in your business and then get insurance for her through your business because when it's done through your business, there are no pre-existing conditions. Mm. Uh, pregnancy doesn't count as a pre-existing condition. I'm like, oh, dude, this is – thank you so much. You are a lifesaver. So um, my son was going to be born January 18th of 2010, and the term for the new insurance through my business – I had hired my wife uh, – was going to start January 1. Mm. So I was like, sweet. <laughs> Uh, well, her water broke December 23rd Oh, <laughs> and I was like, no, put it back in. Like, no, get back in there. Uh, and I was just like all these emotions, like happy, nervous, excited, scared. And then I started thinking, holy crap, he's a month early. What if he's in the, the NICU and ICU, which is like the, um, intensive care unit for like new, like new newborns like that are born early. Right which would cost us like $20,000 a day wow. for every day the baby was in there. So my son was born uh, five pounds, one ounce, and I was just like praying to God that he would just safe and everything was cool. And thankfully, the only thing he had was jaundice, which is like when a baby comes out and they're a little, they're a little yellow in the skin, mm -hmm. so they put them under some certain like lighting and stuff to make them, uh, you know, just so there are no complications. So we were there an extra day, but that's it. And so uh, the, the total cost ended up being uh, – he wasn't in the NICU, but the total cost was like $18,000 wow. for the <laughs> one and a half days that he was there after he was born. So he was born on Christmas Eve, which was an amazing uh, gift for us, uh, but also very stressful. And just thankfully it worked out because if, if something was wrong, we would have been bankrupt, like seriously, because right. we had no insurance. Uh, so that was one, a personal lesson that we learned. Um, another personal related thing related to my business, uh, this was actually before we had kids, was that I was getting so obsessed with my business that I was actually, um, I was actually uh, putting into trouble my relationship uh, with my wife. Uh, back then she was my fiance. Right. So because I was so obsessed with my business, that's all I could think about. And even when I was having direct conversations with her, I could only think about my business. Like it was so fun and exciting and new. And all I could think about was the next product or how many sales I got that day or that email I was supposed to answer, that next product I was going to create. And I just felt like that's all that was on my mind. And I, and I knew that she started to, to feel that and started to feel like she was being left out or perhaps not being paid attention to. And there was one time we were actually having a conversation and uh, she, we were talking, you know, like her mouth is moving, but I'm not thinking about what she's saying because I'm thinking about the business. And she actually called me out on it, like straight up. Mm. And we had a really serious conversation. And I'm so thankful she called me out on it because I felt like I could have gone down this path where I would just think about business all the time and just be completely overworked. Uh, and with the kids now, I'm so thankful that that happened back then because if it happened with the kids, if I put my business first before my kids, that's, that's not right. Uh, and I got, we have two kids now. We did have insurance on the second one, so we're good there. Um, but the two things that came out of that conversation back then was that we needed uh, boundaries, hmm. absolute boundaries, and we needed to communicate more. And so uh, from that, we created two different types of boundaries. One was a time-based boundary, meaning even though I had escaped the nine to five, uh, we still needed 
times when I knew I was working and she knew I was working, but also I knew that I could check out mentally. Mm. And that, that was good for me to have breathing room in my business. Finally, it got me even more excited to come back into it the next day. But it also was much more fair to April, who was there on the other end, like knowing that I wasn't thinking about my business at the time. And yes, I did blur those lines every once in a while just because it's, it's natural. But because that boundary was set, it was a lot easier to kind of close the doors of my business that, you know, every evening. And then as the kids were born, you know, the schedules have changed uh, and whatnot. And every day now it's different and there's different hours for different things because both kids are in school. But be, I still have those those time boundaries. The other boundary was a physical boundary. So having an actual space where I do work where when I'm sitting down and I'm in that space or on that chair, I'm in work mode. But when I'm out off that chair and out or out of the office, I'm not in work mode. And that allows me to sort of solidify and reinforce that time boundary because of that physical space. And I don't, I don't give myself a chance to do work outside of this office, uh, except for, um, unless there's something that's going on, like on my phone and I have to take a call or something like that. But, uh, beyond that, you know, I try to keep everything strict and within those boundaries on both sides. Hmm. I like that. So, and that was actually something important that I wanted to talk about because another piece that I love about your business is that you're very family oriented. You, you prioritize uh, your, you know, your wife and your kids. And I know that a lot of business owners struggle with that, struggle with mm -hmm. how do I be successful uh, and at the same time make time for my wife, uh, make time for my husband, make time for my kids. Um, so what advice, I guess, would you have from your experience for other people who are moving into that, that same area? Either one, they've already kind of crossed over and they are, over, over, are, they are overworked and they want to figure out how do I rectify right. this? Or two, people who are not quite there yet, like what what should they be doing and thinking about so they don't get there? Yeah, I mean, I, like I said earlier, the boundaries are going to be really important. So set those boundaries, time boundaries, physical boundaries. Uh, talk to and communicate with those around you who would be affected by you and your work. And if you were to overwork, like start to talk with them. And it's going to take some negotiation. I mean, very honest conversations, uh, you know, because you're going to need time to get stuff done. I mean, that, that's, that's the honest thing. But uh, you're also not going to want to leave out, you know, the most important things of your life for, for work. And I think, especially for those people who are like single, they don't have any families or responsibilities, like they can truly overwork themselves. You still, even though you don't have a family, you still need to give yourself breathing room and time to kind of decompress a little bit and sort of mentally take a break from your business so you can go back into it stronger. It's like studying for an exam, right? They, they always say like, don't cram the night before because you're going to get, you're going to be so exhausted that you're not going to retain anything. It's better to actually study a little bit and get some sleep because then you'd be able to actually recall that information a lot better, even though you're studying less. Mm -hmm. So I know it's kind of counterintuitive. Um, but for those who are, who are crossing those lines, I think that the first thing is you just need to be conscious about it. I think some people don't even know they're, they're in those, those lines. Um, and the other thing is I think a lot of people also struggle because they try to have a perfect balance, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and when you try to shoot for that perfect balance in life where, you know, if you imagine a scale where it's perfectly balanced on both sides, work and personal life, it's it, you're always going to be unhappy because when you think about that scale, weight has to be equal on both sides to be at that one moment where both things are equal. And if that's what you're shooting for, it's almost impossible to get there. So that means you're always going to be unhappy because you're always going to think it's not perfectly balanced. Mm -hmm. To be perfectly balanced is is sort of a myth. What the trick is, is you just don't want the scale to tip over or teeter over too far to one side or the other. You you need, you want to have checks and balances in place, for example, so when you teeter over one side, you can come back and come back to the other one. And so a good example of that for me and my family is, you know, the work schedules vary depending on what's happening in my business. And sometimes when there's a launch, 
you know, it's very much, you know, scaled on one side and, and, and for business for me because I have to put in 16 hour days for a launch of a book or a launch of a course or something. But I only know that's, I know that's going to be temporary. So I always reward myself and I make sure that on the other end of that launch, for example, that there's something family related that I can do with the family that has nothing to do with work so that it can kind of come back to the other side. And knowing that that's there on the other side of it is a lot better because then everybody around me and, and my family can expect that, you know, even though daddy's in his office like 16 hours a day for these three days, we're going to be doing something cool afterwards. So they're they're not like why is he in there all the time? It's like, you know, I'm communicating with them. Even my kids now, my, my son is six, my daughter's four, maybe less so for my daughter, but my, with my son, I communicate with him as well in terms of what I'm doing. Why am I going to this conference? Why is it important? Because I want him to know that I'm not just leaving him behind, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm actually doing something for a greater good. And so uh, a couple of times I've actually been able to bring him to conferences oh, or nice. go on stage with me, which has been a lot of fun. You know, he's at that age now where he understands what, what I'm doing. He's getting, getting really excited about it trying to implore all this entrepreneurial spirit into him, whether he becomes an entrepreneur or not. Uh, I don't care as long as he does what he wants to do, but also I want to give him all those options if he wants to. Uh, and also there a lot of the principles of becoming a great successful entrepreneur apply in all different parts of life, whether you are an entrepreneur or not, meaning communication, learning that failure and learning from your mistakes, uh, being communicative and networking, like all those sorts of attributes are very important for just being successful in all parts of life, not just as an entrepreneur. So I'm trying to lead by example, but also with my son, he needs to be in the know of what I'm doing and why. And that also helps me too, because then that means I'm only doing things for specific reasons. I'm never at a point now where I'm just kind of working to stay busy. Everything I do has a specific purpose. Mm -hmm. Every task that I, uh, undergo and uh, that, that is on my to-do list, like there's a specific reason for it because I know it's getting me closer to that goal, whatever that goal might be or that end business might be. Uh, they're, they're, I'm not just working for work's sake. I'm working for a specific purpose. And so making sure that I'm leading by example and not wasting time is very important to me because I know that every second I waste in my business is a second that I'm not just taking away from myself and other things I could be doing, but taking uh, daddy away from my kids. And so that mentally prepares me to be uh, very focused when I go into work. It prepares me to be incredibly optimized uh, and it, with my performance and, and whatnot when I go into work uh, related things. And it always keeps me conscious about my output, uh, my input versus my output. And I keep track and I determine, you know, did I do my best work today? And if not, what could I have done to, to do better? I use things like the five minute journal uh, to keep track every single day about, you know, when I wake up, you know, not only what am I thankful for and the gratitude com component of it, but what did I set out to do today and how did I, uh, how did I do at the end of the day and what could I, uh, what could I have done better? So always trying to improve. So anyway, I've just been talking nonstop, <laughs> Michael, I apologize, but I've just been kind of spewing everything out. Hopefully it's been helpful. No, it has. Sense. It's, it's great information. I, I, I really appreciate it because you, you've, you know, you, you're kind of anticipating a lot of the questions that I want to ask you and I, I appreciate that. <laughs> And, yeah. you know, and, and part of that, when you were talking about like, you know, this struggle between like, you know, the balance of things and, and what do you do? I know a lot of people, and I know you were inspired by the four hour work week. I was inspired by a yeah. lot of other people are inspired by it. But does that exist? Is there a four hour work week? Like, OK, right. Yeah, <laughs> it's like do because I think a lot of people, they read that and they think, OK, I'm going to just work four hours a week and I'm going to have this amazing business. Is that realistic? Is that an expectation that people should have or what's a what's I guess? um a reasonable uh, way of looking at that book. Yeah, I mean, the title is definitely, you know, 
a clickbaity kind of title, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and even Tim has admitted that. I mean, if he if he could do it all over again, he would change the title if he were able to keep the audience that he has now for sure. Because it kind of people read that and they're like, four hour work week. Like, come on, Tim. Yeah, <laughs> it's obvious that even you work more than four hours a week, and I work more than four hours a week for sure. Mm-hmm. I think the 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 idea behind the four hour work week though is just taking control of your life mm-hmm. and being able to have that flexible schedule. He talks about in that book, something called mini retirements mm-hmm. where every once in a while you can take these long breaks away from your business, but your business will continue to work for you. That's, that's sort of the idea of the four hour work week to really go into that book and to, to go into business, uh, to try and become an internet sensation and then only have to work four hours a week. I think, you know, that's nearly impossible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely possible, but to, approach it in that way, you're not going to do the things you need to do to actually provide value and serve an audience. If you go into something thinking, how can I immediately take myself out of it, then it's not (laughs) going to work. You get it to a point where it's working and you're serving your audience in the best way possible. You're creating the products that you need, so on and so forth. Then you can start to employ the tools, hire the team, implement the strategies to actually then start to remove yourself because now you know you've done the work to make it the best it can be. And that's what I did with Green Exam Academy. That's what I do with even with Smart Passive Income, which is definitely not a passive venture for me. Uh, It it requires many hours of work every single week to upkeep and to keep people excited. And, you know, I'm the crash test dummy of online business. so I'm always trying new things. Um, But a lot of the work that I've done in the past with all the podcast episodes that I've recorded, with all the blog posts that I've written, the videos and whatnot, those are things that are like – working for me right now, even as we speak, people are watching those videos or listening to those podcasts and I can be in multiple places at once by doing so. And in that way, I can take these quote mini retirements every once in a while. And I wouldn't say retirement really, because that means you're kind of done with it. But <laughs> I, I often say, um, you know, taking, you know, mini vacations, um, but more often. And I, 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 and we do that, you know, we practice that in the family. We, uh, are going to be headed up to the Anaheim area very soon to go and visit Disneyland, which we do almost once a month because we have annual passes. I'm not afraid to admit that. Oh, I nice. love Disney stuff. <laughs> um, but then we we just, you know, we fly, fly to different places if the kids are off of school. And we don't think twice about it because we know we can do that. And I know that the business can continue to run without me there for a period of a week. And it'll be fine. And I've, I've tested it before. I've actually gone in my business on vacations uh, and I, I, I told my team, hey, I don't want to hear anything. I don't want any emails, nothing, even in an emergency, unless the website servers go down, don't message me for this entire week. Mm-hmm. And going into those weeks, uh, it can be very scary because I'm so <laughs> used to being connected and in the know and, and inside of what everything that's going on. But then you come back on the other end and you just check and nothing's broken. Everything's still there. And you check your accounts and wow, there are customers that have been satisfied with the purchases that they've made without you even having to be there. So yeah, you can remove yourself from your business, but I wouldn't even think about doing that until much later after you've set everything in motion, after you've truly understood how to best serve your audience. Mm -hmm. Okay. I like that. So um, if you were to, let's say something happened, right? You have a huge email list now, you have a huge following, but let's say you lost all that. You lost your email list and you lost your following, you lost your income, you had your knowledge, but nothing else. What would you do today <laughs> to build a business? What would be the first six months of Pat Flynn's comeback? Nice. Uh, well, first of all, I wouldn't ever lose my email list because even <laughs> if the servers go down every once in a while, my team and I, we download that email list so we have it in hand. So that's the first tip. Uh, secondly, I have business insurance. So if something were to happen, I'd probably be able to collect some form of money as a result of whatever ha- had happened. Uh, so 
I have backups in place in case that were to happen. But I know <laughs> what you're saying. It's a hypothetical question. Uh, if, if I had to really start from scratch and, and you know, really um, one of the first things I would do would be to freelance. I think just to get an immediate income, the best way to do that is to freelance, to offer your skills or services to somebody who needs those things. And I would do it in an area that I'm very interested in. So helping an influencer out in a space that I eventually want to get into myself, not to be a competitor, but just because I want to serve that community too. And the reason I want to do that, not just kind of pick randomly in freelance, but I want to be strategic with who I freelance with or for is so that I can get to know that a particular niche so that I can get to know the people in there so I can get to know uh, how it, how it, it's all run uh, so that I can go in there and then eventually provide something of value down the road. Uh, in terms of starting to build anything for myself at that point, I mean, freelancing is great, but it's definitely not passive and you want to eventually get to a point where you can remove yourself from the business a little bit at least because with freelancing, I mean, the moment you stop working, the moment you stop making money, right? Mm -hmm. So I would either begin to hire a team depending on how that went, but also, you know, I think I would pick an area of interest. I would do a lot of um, research while kind of freelancing the space to understand, well, what are the biggest problems? What are the biggest pains that people are having? What are the, some of the patterns that I'm noticing? And what could I potentially provide for people who are having that problem? And so then I would start to build an email list of people who are interested, literally start an email list. I wouldn't even start a website yet. I would start an email list of people who are interested in learning more about how to serve or how to solve that problem, that particular problem that they have. Mm. And I would just really dive into it and go all in with, I mean, how can I best serve that audience? Even if it's a list of 10 people who I just find on a Facebook group or people that I know already, or perhaps it's through that uh, freelancing work that I've done in that person's network that I'm actually freelancing for, whatever the case may be, even if I have five to 10 people on that list, it's gonna be an incredibly valuable list for me to go and not sell things to, not right away. It's to go in and talk to those people individually to discover truly what is at the root of their problems, why aren't they actually solving them themselves, what have they used and have tried to do to solve those problems that's not working, what are other products that are out there that are already serving this, this audience so that I can come in and create something even better and work with them specifically to validate those ideas, to, to have them be sort of beta testers and then eventually launch whatever it is that I might be launching. Now, I don't want to say, oh, the first thing I would do is create a membership website or the first thing I want to do is create software because how am I supposed to know? Mm -hmm. It's always going to be based on how you can best serve that audience. So that's where it starts. Then maybe it's a book. Then maybe it's a website and, or community that I build or maybe it's a service of some kind or maybe it's a membership site or maybe it's something else. I don't know. But again, it starts with, I think freelancing is the entry point. Then in that way, I can get served. Uh, or I can serve and then not get served. I can serve <laughs> and then also uh, get to know that industry and get paid a little bit just to keep my head, head afloat for a little bit. Uh, but then at the same time, I'm learning about this crowd, what they need help with and, and building that email list to start to start, start to talk to people, have conversations and then really expand from there. Then once I validate something, then I would probably create a website, actually launch that product uh, to, to a handful of people. And, and then start to build from there. Okay. So I, th I think it's interesting that you said you wouldn't create a website first because I think a lot of people, when they think about building an email list, they think the website comes first, you know, create the website, then put some sort of lead magnet on them to collect right, email addresses. Right. How do you get the email addresses without the website? How does that happen? Uh, you ask people for their email. <laughs> oh, okay. So literally, just literally. Directly. You just go directly. directly go on Facebook. Okay. You have how many people on Facebook? You direct message them. Say, hey, are you interested? In, you, hey, man, it's been a while. I know, um, but you know, I'm I'm I've been running a lot lately. If you're interested in learning more about running, uh, in, in, you know, uh, and like if you wanted to do a mar marathon or something, yeah, just let me know. Mm, okay. And that's it. You go from there. And then later you ask for the email. You just want to make sure people are interested first. If you were to go and ask people individually, hey, could I have your email address? This is what I'm doing. 
<laughs> no, because you're you're immediately asking them for something. No, you want to offer something first. Hey, do you want to learn more about this thing that I've been up to? Mm -hmm. If they say yes, awesome. Then you start to have a conversation and get them on an email list. Hey, okay, great. Uh, well, uh, shoot me your email. I want to send you some stuff that I've been working on, and you just I would love to know what you think. Hmm. Boom, you have an email address. You don't even need an email service provider at first to do what I was t telling you to do. Right. Um, but then you know I've actually I actually just recently ran an email challenge. Uh, motivating people to do this to actually uh, begin slowly by asking their immediate network i mean we spent we spent years right uh, creating these networks and circles of friends i mean it's 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 okay to utilize them to see if they're interested in these things that you have going on mm -hmm. um you're not selling them anything up front you just want to learn more and see if anybody's interested uh, and then you'll be able to utilize those people to collect feedback and, and actually test things with down the road um but again just just asking your immediate network and and writing them down manually or putting them into a spreadsheet that will work and through this email challenge that i recently did if you all wanted to do it it's actually i set it up so it can be done uh in an evergreen fashion you get an email a day for three days so it's a 72 hour challenge to get you from zero to 100 emails you can go to 100 100 emails.com and it'll walk you through that process but anyway some people collected four or five hundred emails through this process in three days nice. by manually just asking people because they started to see it working and then they, then they went berserk with it um, and then now of course they're getting into email service providers and then are, are going to be building a website after that but yeah i mean imagine building a list of interested folks who you can then reach out to and say, hey, what kinds of things are you looking for related to this? What kinds of content would you like to see? Uh, what are some products that you think uh, you'd love for me to review? You get all that stuff uh, from them. Then you start to actually create that content and then you create a website. And on day one, when you launch your website, you're not launching to zero people anymore. And you have this list of people who are there on day one who you know that this content is tailored specifically for because they were the people who told you what content to write. Right. Uh, so it's, it's, it's much better than how most people start, which is like, hey, I have this idea Oh, let me start a website and see what happens. <laughs> and then they go in there, and of course, the first week on that website is like crickets, even though that's your <laughs> best stuff that you put on there because you're most excited. Um, you know, most people's best stuff gets put to waste because that's only when there were like 10 visitors. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, even my site was the same way. So, um, you know, kind of doing it backwards, working on the email list first and building an audience that way, then launching a website can uh, do wonders with that first month of launch where on day one you could have uh, dozens, if not, uh, hundreds of visitors and then, and, and, and just kind of skyrocket from there. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think that's a great idea and I'm definitely gonna, um, definitely gonna do that myself. I like that. Cool. Um, so one other question I have for you is what does Pathland do for fun? I know you love back to the future. Uh, but outside I of that, what, what, what's in, uh, what, what do you do outside of the business? Uh, well, I play a lot of basketball. I've gotten into basketball recently. My son started playing and then I got connected with his coach who invited me to come out uh, to a little thing that he has with a bunch of friends of his and they play weekly three days a week and I was like, okay, sweet I would love to play. I'm not that good at basketball, but you know, I, I just want to get back into sports uh, And he and I was like, okay, so what time do you guys play? And he's like 5 a.m. And I was like oh, oh, What time do you play 5 a.m.? He's like, yeah, this is you know It's a bunch of older dudes who've just been playing for years and this is their exercise and they love it And I was like man, I'm honored to be invited. I'll try to wake up that early. Okay um, and I've gone every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the last six months at 5 a.m., waking up at 4.30 a.m., getting to this little Mormon church that's kind of uh, a few miles away that somebody has access to because every Mormon church has a basketball court, and I've been loving it. I've been really getting into watching basketball now, too. My son and I watch it together, um, and, you know, we're Warriors fans, and, uh, you know, I actually went to school in the Bay Area, so I'm not just a bandwagoner <laughs> like you might be thinking, but, you know, I'm actually not a Curry fan. I'm a, I'm a Clay Thompson fan, uh, and... It's just, it's just been a lot of fun. I've been really 
um, getting serious about basketball too. Now that I play regularly, I can start to see results from a lot of the workouts that I've been doing. And, uh, I hired a trainer to help me, which is pretty awesome. I, I hired a shooting coach once to, to see what that was like. And I got some really good advice from that. And it's just fun, man. I, I, I'm really digging it. And it's really fun to start the day with some competition, but it's interesting. The one thing I will say is if I have a bad game, I, I, I start off the day bad and, and <laughs> the rest of my day is, isn't as good as it could be like, cause I weigh in on some of the plays that I could have done or whatever. Um, so in that regard, it's kind of bad, but it does push me to, to, to play harder. And that obviously helps my cardio, uh, which helps with my just overall health and fitness, which then helps with my output in my business. So it is, is it is actually having a trickle down effect on the uh, business that I have, uh, as well. Um, other things I like to do, I love to go surfing and, and bodyboarding. I live in San Diego, so we have, uh, yeah, we have close access to the beach as you know uh, and and uh, go we go there a lot and i just love hanging out with the kids you know we love to read uh, we love harry potter we love going to disneyland and just having them explore the world and uh traveling is is starting to be something that we're going to be doing a lot more of uh now that the kids are a little bit older so a lot of the conferences i'll be speaking at i'm going to be taking the family along we'll be going on trips together uh, we're actually headed to australia very soon uh, so it's really cool. Oh, I'm very, very excited that we get to uh, give the kids these sort of experiences early on so they can grow up with it and, and remember them when they're older. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, Pat, I really appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on the show. You provided some great value. Um, before we go, how can the Baller Circle get in touch with you and learn more about your business? Yeah. Um, speaking of basketball, uh, ballers, uh, if you want to go to smartpassiveincome.com, you can find most of my stuff there. Uh, Everything is connected there. At Pat Flynn on Twitter or on Instagram would be good places to go and reach me too. So uh, yeah, smartpassiveincome.com. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. Be sure to listen next week. I'll be talking with sales and enrollment coach Petra Foster, and we'll be discussing how to close clients into high-ticket programs. In the meantime, you can check out the blog post for this episode as well as listen to other episodes of the Internet Ballers podcast at www.internetballers.com. Again, I'm Michael Pasha, and happy marketing. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode.